Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. It's Anna David here, which is a relief. It means no one's taken over. I mean, it's a relief to me. I have not been kidnapped. Uh, it is it is arguably a relief for you that you have downloaded the correct podcast, the one you meant to download. Yeah, because I'm the host here of After Party Pod, and I have a great guest for you. I'm going to admit, because that's the kind of relationship we have, that I have screwed up this intro a record three times and um, not realized it. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm this time. I'm not screwing it up. And um, I'm telling you about my amazing guest, um, the most gifted storyteller. I, I I can't say for sure on earth, but I can say that I have seen ever perform, and I've seen a lot, heard slash seen. His name is Brian Finkelstein. And he has written on the Ellen Show. He's been nominated for Emmys for that. But um, ah, his storytelling is amazing. And he has done one-man shows all over the world. He teaches storytelling at UCB here in L.A. Um, he's sold screenplays. He's done a lot of things. And, um, and I, the way I got to him is I, I was in a storytelling show with him. And when I saw, I think I performed before he did, and I, and I didn't know what in God's name I was doing, and I was so humbled, I was shaking after he did his story, which is a story that he has made into a one-man show now. And so, oh, the, what, this is the, one of the things I screwed up before, is what I want to tell you is that he and I have a total miscommunication in the midst of this. Basically, we met when we did that show together, which was not that good a show. I mean, I wasn't very good. He was amazing, but there were a lot of other people and they weren't that great. So then when I put together an all-male version of True Tales of Less Than Love, he did it. And that was a spectacular show. It was the best one we ever did with Paul F. Tompkins and Brian and DC Pearson and all these other amazing people. And so clearly when I listen to the interview, I realize that he thinks I, when I bring it up and I say, oh, it wasn't that great. He thinks I'm talking about my own show and he's a little confused as to why I'm saying my own show, which happened to be really great that night, was not any good. But I am clearly talking about this other show. Uh, I felt bad when I listened to it. I was like, God, A, I have a learning disability undiagnosed up until this point. And B, I feel bad for this guy because he thought I was being insane. Um, but no, we, um, we got over it. Uh, there, it, there was another issue. Uh, the, the recording timed out. The, it, very strange. Towards the end, I pop in there. I explain what you missed. Um, my point is that, that despite these hurdles, we got through them. And I think that's very much the theme of the episode. 
I've just decided that these episodes should have themes. And, um, you know, because Brian's, Brian's not an alcoholic. He has gotten through depression and talks about it rather eloquently. And uh, you know what? I'm going to let you guys discover the rest. So please enjoy Brian Finkelstein. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh, my God. I think my copy has, like, blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? You too. On the morning of an earthquake. There was an earthquake. Yeah. At 6.30. Yeah. This is going to be late. If you're coming to this podcast for breaking news, you're fucked, basically. Yeah, it's not topical. Although maybe since we're recording this, there's been more earthquakes and maybe everyone's dead. Oh my God. And this is the only remnant of... I mean, there would this wouldn't be the only remnant. But maybe. Maybe this is the only thing that survived and this is the last... <laughs> this is like the end of humanity. But who would listen? The aliens or the cockroaches when they evolve or the new species that crawls out of the ooze. The cockroaches, when they evolve in like 800 years, will be listening to this. And it's so it's so great that we haven't gotten dark or weird yet. No. <laughs> I mean, it's just like totally normal conversation. Um, I appreciate that you got you got dark about the end of the world within three seconds of my, getting here. My pleasure. Um, so, yeah. So, so you are here because, and I don't want to like embarrass you, just because I, you are the most gifted storyteller I've ever seen. And I... Well, thanks. Oh my God, I think you did get a little blush in your did face. I, I a do. A tiniest bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's also warm in here now. Well, now we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh my God, you're bright red. No, now you're I'm not holding here. my breath. No, okay. Oh. Yeah, that works. I but, tried. But I had, you know, I had a storytelling show, as you know, because you did it. But yes. before that, I didn't really understand that storytelling could be an art form. I thought you talked, you know, one talked, and then yeah, I saw you weird. do it, and it kind of changed everything. Oh, come on. I'm serious. It did. And then, um, yeah, and then I was super intimidated, but I worked through it, and then you did my show, and um, I, think I'm, I think I'm cool now. But this is not about me. This is about you. That was you. a really fun night. That was a great show. I would disagree. I thought it was very hit or miss. I'm, uh, I'm very harsh. Which oh, is I remember the audience being weird. I, now I'm remembering some of the things of the show. But okay, the people in the show... I disagree. I think the audience... I was like, this audience is so easily pleased. Really? Yeah, but I'm a bitch. Oh, I'm not. But I'm just The people who critical. told stories were pretty amazing. Some Minus. of them. Okay, now I'm remembering more. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, you were great. Our friend Cindy was always amazing. Yes. A true comic genius. Um, as are you. But... I, um, you know, Thanks. and I, and I heard you tell the story that it's, it's, you've now been touring Australia. You made it into a longer. Yeah, it was a longer show first. Okay. So, t- so, so it, it is a story about you working at a suicide hotline. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm just remembering now that show. I had two shows confused. I was thinking of a different show. Oh yeah. The, our show sucked, right? I'm kidding. Um, uh, no, it was, it was good. Um, wait, we did. Just, I want you guys to know. What show did, what were we in together? Okay. So we were in a show. That I'm now forgetting what it's called, but I'll tell you that Cindy Shupak was there. Sure, it was Taboo Tales, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you remember. Um, yes, I, it was, there's a lot of sex stories because it's Taboo Tales. Yes, that, that was the thing. Yes. Um, yes. I don't even remember what I told, but I, I don't remember what anyone told. I just remember yours. Um, I remember anyway. Okay. Um, 
What was we talking about? Your story. Uh, you know, so basically this was a story about you, because you spent four years working at a suicide prevention hotline. Yes. Yeah, and then I did a solo show about it uh, a long time ago um, at UCB. It was a half-hour show, and then it went to Aspen, and then I developed it for a TV show. And then um, when that all ended, I kind of put it away, and then I did it for The Moth a few years later. Uh-huh. And then right before I did The Moth, I did Taboo Tale, so that's when I saw you. And then you lengthened it again to go... Yeah, uh, now... now I, Because it sort of became an hour as I was doing it, a half hour at UCB. And then... Um, and for the Aspen Festival, it was an hour. But then, yeah, I started doing it again in Australia and New Zealand because I want to sort of mount it again here and maybe um, do a Kickstarter or something to get some a publicist and a producer and try to go off-Broadway and do do it as a theater piece as opposed to just a comedy show. That would be amazing. Yeah, I've always wanted to do it, but I've never really had the time or the inclination to do that so you don't get it did you get embittered by the process of it being optioned and and then nothing happening or whatever what was that process no i just got caught up in the whole because what happened was it got me into the aspen festival which then brought me to la to do it and then i from there got an agent and a manager for the first time and so then i started following tv and film writing which i had never really considered before but i kind of got enticed by and like and i still like but Right. So then I, the idea of doing theater and going back to not making money for a living right. uh, was not appealing. But now I think I'm in a position where I can sort of work both out. And uh, yeah, and so now I kind of want to do it again. That's great. Yeah. So, so your history is like, okay, so you're from the East Coast but grew up in San Diego-ish? No, I'm from New York, but in the show I, t- I moved to San Diego after high school to go to college. Okay, so you, so you're from New York City. I was born in Queens, but then we lived uh, like upstate New York, like an hour suburbs. And then and then your parents got divorced, and your dad moved to California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad, who was a New York City cop, racist, mustache, Camaro guy, then this became a BMW beard okay. lawyer, medical malpractice, like totally had a midlife crisis, and and then traded in his old family for a new family, and traded in the the Camaro for a Beamer grew a beard from the mustache and became a lawyer like started wearing suits so he's a cop like a but he's still a cop yeah he was a vice cop in, in Harlem in the 60s and 70s he's kind of like a badass he's a badass yeah. and then he's like fuck this I want to be a lawyer yeah he started going to law school at night uh-huh. um, where he met his younger wife uh, and then yeah it was like a lieutenant and was on the track to be like big in the police force but then um, started going to law school and realized there was more money on that side of the law and okay so then he became a medical malpractice lawyer but he's still a cop he's still got that like Stoic sits with his back to the wall, a little bit racist, right? Um, and you know, can tell you how many like bad-looking people he walked like after walking and say like he, he'll say I passed seventeen homeless people, you know, like he'll know, right? Right. Yeah. He's casing every yeah. joint, yeah. So he's still that. He has no friends, and he's he's a mean man. I mean, he's a he's okay. Is, was he a mean dad? Is he a mean? Well, dad? he was an absent. I mean, he left when I was in sixth grade, so I don't. He wasn't really a dad. But now, was he mean had, before that? I don't think he was mean. He wasn't like he didn't. Beat us, but right. he was, but he was like not around. I don't remember. I mean, we went camping when I was a kid, but I remember little of that. Right. Do you, and your siblings? I feel like his sister. I have a brother and sister with him and my mom, and then he and his second wife had a, bro, uh, a son and a daughter. So I have a half brother and a half sister. Are you close to them? Yeah, I'm really close. Especially, well, I mean, I'm close with both of them, but me and my half brother, I think, almost more than anyone else, my family sort of are very similar. Even though he's thirty. Right. Well, you're only, what, 32? I'm only 32, yeah, so... So that's weird. It's two, yeah, two years. Your dad got to work fast. He was a quick maker uh, uh. of love. <laughs> so, okay, and so this home was... Um, 
in general not a happy home um it was a happy home i mean there was like when we're getting into this yeah, um, we when, are. when my dad left so i was in sixth grade my mom um had a hard time yeah my mom tried to kill herself <laughs> i don't know if i'm supposed to be saying that but then she uh she got better she you know she sought help uh and um you know rallied to raise three kids pretty much by herself um yeah uh, and so it was happy in the fact that, I don't know, it was, it was unhappy in the teenage angsty ways that all kids are teenage angsty, yeah. but I don't think it was, there was no like super sadness going on. Right. Cause yeah. I didn't even know my mom went through like a hard time. I was in like until a hospital later. until, until years later. Yeah. That's amazing that she was able to hide it and pull it together. I feel like that's pretty rare. Yeah. I think she got pretty close and I just recently talked to her because my therapy, <laughs> I just started going to therapy for the first time. You're kidding me. That's shocking. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Yeah, I've always because I studied psychology when I was younger, and I've always felt like I'm smarter than them, and I can't, I can't imagine them trying to like use their magical tricks on me. It's probably not untrue, by the way. It's it it, it's yeah. Nevertheless, it's it's not about smarts. Yeah, it's not about smarts, and so and it's probably not true, but it but thanks, but uh, yeah, and they and she started my therapist started saying like asking me all these like when I just casually mentioned oh my mom tried to like she started asking all these questions about I was like I don't know. Right. I was like, and she's like, well, you need to ask your mom. So I asked my mom, and my mom pretty much talked about it. And the long story short is when she got pretty serious with it, her psychiatrist helped her uh, by not like reporting it like, and, and sort of helped her to get better. And sort of the rationale was, do you want to leave this legacy for your kids? And that's my mom said snapped her out of it. And then she became like super mom and had three jobs and... Wow. And did she get medicated or do you even know? I think she did get medicated for a while and I don't, she's not on that stuff now. She does now just started 40 years later taking uh, anti-anxiety pills when she flies because she can't fly but she finally decided she wants to come to California once in a while and visit. Oh, so now nice. she takes like, you know, Xanax or something when she flies. But. Right, right. Do you, and so, um, and so you grew up and you, um, Went to high college in San Diego. I have no memory, obviously, because you just yeah. I moved when I graduated high school. I I failed out of high school, and then I went to summer school. And in summer school, I crashed my mom's car on the way to a Van Halen concert and totaled it. And she was not financially in a situation where this was okay. This was okay, and I wasn't insured in the car. It was like a big mess. And so, like, I left when I graduated summer school that day. I left partly because of that because I felt so guilty. Partly because I just wanted. I knew if I stayed in that small town, I'd you know, like a Springsteen song, I'd become the guy who stayed in the small town. But then I moved to San Diego because that's where my dad was and went to college. But then my dad, ever who he is, I moved in with him and my stepmom and they kicked me out after six months. Um, and Why? then I was, they said it was because they had new babies around, you know, yeah. they had like a three-year-old and a two and a one-year-old. And, uh, and they, they worried that I was drinking and partying too much and doing drugs. And I wasn't a big, I never smoked pot back then. I hated it and I drank, but I didn't, and my grades weren't good, but I had like B's. Like I was do, I was okay, and I just moved out there. And I was 17 years old. I graduated high school early, even though I failed out. And but they decided that I need. So then I got my own place, and then I just became a complete uh, drunk for four years. So I didn't graduate college there. I okay. just because I I went to school, but I would. You see San Diego or something? San Diego State, and mostly Mesa. I was in San Diego State for one semester, but that's what I would say. I was in Mesa, which is a community college, for three years. And so even though you got kicked out for being like a drunken lout, you really were not, but then you became one as a result of being yeah, kicked out. Yeah, it's like out. the secret. It's like the bad secret. My dad <laughs> saw it and then it happened. 
I was the elephant in the room in that book, and then I became the elephant. So then you, and so so you're just like around San Diego, like sowing your oats, or were you un, unhappy? I worked a bunch of jobs. It? No, I, I was, it was so fun, because I hung out with all these. I became this Morrissey, dyed, I dyed my hair black, had wore eyeliner, wore creepers, smoked cloves, wow. and just dated all these goth girls. By dated, I mean I was in love with them, and they didn't care about me. And then... <laughs> You know, just went to like concerts and like we, there was a club in Tijuana called Club A and went there every weekend and just got completely trash and right. worked for a supermarket 12, like all night and then worked for an attorney service serving subpoenas in the day and then every other hour just got drunk. And then that was just a phase? Yeah, I, I reached like a I bottomed out where I was like I had no money and I was like 20, 20 years old and I had no money and I wasn't going to school anymore and I was like I was working these jobs and I was like what am I doing? So then I called my grandmother who lived in Bayside, Queens and said, hey, can I come stay with you for six months? I need to save up some money and then figure out what to do with my life. And she said, yeah. And then I moved in with her and that's when I met this girl, Samina, who was Indian and Muslim. And I just listened to that story. And then at the same time, I started working at the hotline because I wanted to be a psychologist and I ended up staying in Queens and that was my life for four years. So you were in love with this woman, Samina, uh-huh. who was Muslim, who still is Muslim. She was Muslim and arranged to be married to her first cousin. And you said to yourself, I, my love is so strong, this doesn't matter? I don't know what I said. I try to think about that. But I, she, because she told me the first date, like in all fairness to her, that she, that she was caught, she had to be cautious about my intentions because she was, like she told me straight out. But then I just, I guess I thought... We would over. I would. I would woo her away from it, but I didn't actively do anything to do that. I think I could have. I actually do think she felt reciprocal love, and I think now knowing what I know about her life, I could have probably, if I had been more of a man and and did something, because like there was trips that she wanted to take. Like there were all sorts of things that didn't happen. And then at the same time, I would. I was living with my grandmother, and on weekends going away to my friend Rich, who's like my friend since I was five, to Philadelphia, where he was like studying art and he was also in the Navy he had and doing coke and I would, so I'd go down to Philly and have these crazy weekends that I'd come up and see Samina and get leveled out and then I would go to school and then work at the suicide hotline and right. it was a kind of a crazy four years and um, and so then the, the way that story ends if uh, by the way you guys if you have not heard this story oh I guess I'm gonna I'm about to ruin it for you but you know what you should go listen to it anyway because yeah. the telling is so great but basically you you went to her wedding in India in India where she then told married you married her first cousin she married her first cousin but right after that she told you that she was that there was another guy that she was uh, in love with and she thought she was pregnant with his child yeah which the joke is always that then I realized I wasn't in a love triangle but I was in a love square yeah. and apparently my corner was the only one not getting laid yeah um, but she wasn't pregnant but then I convinced her to leave Pretty much to tell her husband slash cousin and marry the other guy. And she did. And then I just was like... What? Screwed. You didn't include that in the story. The version I saw. Oh, yeah. No, because in that story, then it, it, it doesn't... Yeah, it's about me because it's my... But her she story She married that other guy? She ended guy? up leaving the other guy and marrying the other guy. And they're still married and they have five kids or four Are kids. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's a crazy ending. It's good for her and for him. Not for me and the cousin slash husband. I feel really bad for the cousin slash husband. You have a, but you have a lovely wife now. I, yeah. So I don't feel bad for you. No, I did okay. But yeah. it took me a long time. I just got married a year and a half ago. Yeah. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> but so does that mean that you were hung up and undepressed about that for between those years? Because that was during the OJ trial. So this was a very long time ago. Um, yes. It was... Uh, I, I don't know if I was hung up and depressed, but then I... 
I sort of reacted by going the other way. Because even though I would go to Philly for basically those four years, I was Muslim. I didn't drink. I was very, like, clean cut. Because I, I started to, like, wear a shavakami. I fasted for Ramadan. I, I was starting... Because I of thought, her. I thought I could become a Muslim, and then that, therefore, would make me acceptable to her family. And, and realizing that it's not just religion. It's cultural and other stuff. And, right. Um, and also that it wasn't about me just sort of blindly doing her life, but it was about me sort of saying we can get through, you know, if I had known now. But then it probably wasn't meant to be. Like, it was young love. I probably just was infatuated. Um, Although I didn't think that at the time. Well, and perhaps her unavailability made her even more appealing. Yes. I also think, because I tend to swing, as I think a lot of people do. So, like, in San Diego, I was chasing all these goth, crazy, meth head, bad girls around. Then I moved to Queens, and I met this, like, religious sort of wholesome she was very wholesome and we'd go to movies and watch tv and talk on the phone and watch 90210 like and then and then from there i went to brooklyn uh and started working at a place called keels and sleeping with girls and doing cocaine and and then like and then i sort of leveled out and moved to california and like you know and so yeah that's interesting i never did phases yeah. well i don't know i think that's more a guy thing maybe maybe because women can be divided into types more easily is that even true i don't know um, women can be divided into types more easily. Because, I mean, how many women are like, yeah, so I dated I dated goth guys, and then I went and I dated super wholesome guys. Like, super wholesome guys, that's like, is that even a thing? Yeah, but there's like, uh, you know, women who date, I don't know, like you, we were talking about Rockers, Cindy before, yeah. my friend Cindy, and or our friend Cindy, and she, she had a thing with like bad boys, which her husband, Ian. Kind she, of is. So yeah. Sort she, of. He is. He was yeah. more so when he was younger, but then... Um, but I think she also dated different types, like because in her book she always talks about. Yeah. And I think that that's common for some women too to go through like phases. Maybe that's my issue. I haven't gone through enough phases. Do you think you have an issue? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're not talking about me. Um, so. We're about to. No, it's not even interesting. I don't. I mean, I think that. Well, I think it's a little societal. Well, this is interesting. That if you are single, uh, society tells you you have issues. Did you feel like that? When you were single? I didn't toward, till the end when I hit like 40 and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh yeah. shit. But but I still, I don't know, like I, my dad almost pretty much told me, my dad, Republican, fascist, racist, yeah. uh, homophobe, told me once, like sort of told me that it was okay that I was gay because he just assumed that was right, the reason I was single. Right, because you were wearing eyeliner and stuff too. Yeah, well no, this is like, not, this is much year, okay. many years later, but it was also because I was single so long and then... Right. And I worked at Keels, and I wore eyeliner. Yeah. Like my whole history is. Yeah, but then indicate as much. Yeah. But then I, I told him I wasn't, and and he was almost disappointed because yeah. that was at least an answer for yes. him that made sense. Uh, my mother has given me the lesbian speech. Yeah. And, and plus, my mom is like, when I dated a black guy, she was just like, "That's so great." Yeah. And then and then I was like, "Oh yeah," and he went to prep school, and she's like, uh, "Really disappointed." I mean, this is a horrible thing about wow. my mom. Yeah, because it wasn't like as he wasn't legitimate. true black. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. Um, so I think she would have thought that was kind of cool to have like a lesbian daughter. Um, but yeah, the whole, you can tell me, I can take it. Yeah. Just, they want answers, but I, I never really felt the pressure to be in a, I never wanted to be. Oh, you didn't? When I met my wife, I was dating at the same, at, like right when I met her, there was a, a 20 year, like I was a dirty, because I, this is my view on relationships. In my twenties, I realized I got hurt by all these women. I have yeah. like unrequited love, like, like yeah. Samina and all these women who were like, I was in love with them and, and they hurt me. And then like I got to be 30 and I realized, oh wait, women and men are the same. All this stuff is stupid and they're just as insecure as I am. So now I can exploit that. So then my whole 30s, I exploited that. 
That's so interesting. I, I think that that is a typical male path. Maybe. I think that's why a lot of old guys are creepy old guys. And then I hit 40 and then I was like, okay, I think the score's even now. And now I need to find... But I was dating someone really young who wasn't bad or, or crazy or she was great. But she was, you know... Two things happened. One, I was dating somebody a few years before that who was 21, 22, and I was 37, 38. Right. And one day we were on my couch making out, and then one day I said, like, I just, like, stopped kissing her. And it was the night we were going to have sex. It was, like, our second or third date, and we'd gone out. Um, And she said, like, when I asked her out for drinks, she's like, oh, I've never gone out for drinks, because she was not 21 yet. Right, right, right. And then she turned 21, and we went out for drinks, and then we were making out on my couch. And then, like, I just stopped, and I looked at her, and I said, I think I'm too old for you. And she said, yeah. And then we just we became friends. And then I dated somebody like that two years later, and I sort of had the same feeling, but I was like, I have to stop. And then I met Jean, and I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, this is the person I'm going to marry. Because How perfect. quickly did you know? I knew pretty soon. Right. Once I knew that she liked me, like that it was reciprocated and it wasn't dramatic, yeah. and that she was like a normal person who I was attracted to, who was smart, and like it was just like super easy right. and not dramatic, which when I was younger, I thought I needed that. The drama. The drama. And I yeah. was like, there's no drama. I mean, there was some, there's some fucking drama. But yeah, she is a woman. She is all. a woman. Jesus. Um, but the, but yeah, so like it was, I guess it just is when it's your turn, it's your turn. But society, society is much kinder to men who are, I mean, yes, they're creepy old guys and people judge that. But like, I, I think that it's different. I do too, but I think that's shifting. I think, I think, I think women need to stop playing that card. They've, they've, I mean, everything's pretty equal now and that card oh, needs to get put away that's really just very male perspective okay think about let's <laughs> let's look at our celebrity icons when Jennifer Aniston was single everything I don't accept your premise that that's our celebrity icons <laughs> but keep going I didn't say we liked them or we were fans okay. but they are our culture's celebrity icons sure alas so when she was single, it was like, oh, this poor, pathetic woman. It's just so sad. George Clooney remains single forever, and he's this charming rogue. Nobody thinks it's sad that George Clooney is single. No, but I don't think that... Well, first of all, Jennifer Aniston is... Uh, I'm, I'm saying things have shifted in the last, like, 10 years, and I feel like, like she's almost 10 years ago, that, that like, that, the sad single Jennifer Aniston. Interesting. I think that no one, no one questions, like... I don't even know who celebrities are anymore, but like, I don't think that that's true anymore. I think it's only true because, because it keeps coming up by single women. Um, now I feel like a dick. I'm, no, I'm going to no. retract everything I just said. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think it's an, I think that's very optimistic of you um, on behalf of women. But, but I mean, if it keeps coming up, then isn't it still true? I guess, but it's like self-fulfilling true. It's not. Yeah, secretish. I don't know. It is secretish, like you imagine it, but I, or you, you visualize it and then it happens. Yeah. I imagine, but like, I don't know. And it, and it is fair to say like, it's a male perspective because I am a male. Yeah, so I don't know. True. But I, I think that a lot of that stuff hopefully has gone away. I guess maybe it is hopeful. Maybe, maybe I just assume, I mean, you know, like I have this discussion with my, my wife and then she'll pull up some stat and show me like how much women still get paid versus men. That's like, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I can't argue that. Or even worse, I'll see some douchey thing a male person on Facebook posts about females in, in, in the industry or something, and I'll be like, oh, screw all of it. Like, now we're all idiots. Like, thank you. Like, I hope we, well, this is over soon, though. I hope that I do everyone too. stops. It would be nice, but yeah, there's still quite a long way to yeah, go. Yeah, I agree. And I'm certainly not informed with statistics and stuff, but I know that that's true. I feel it in my heart that it's over because I, I think you, I've always. You don't think it's true anymore. Well, I've also been, I was raised 
by a single woman and right. all my friends were like I've always felt more in tune with feminism than with masculine right and uh, and but I always knew a lot of my friends but now it seems like in the last couple of years like my male alpha male friends who are you know somewhat jerky have sort of come around but then I can think of three people right now in my head that are complete misogynists that are yeah in a position to hire women and they don't and, yeah and, and I take back everything I've said <laughs> if I bothered to edit I could cut this out I'm kidding it's been very interesting um, but so, okay, so, but here's the thing. I am theorizing that you have not struggled with depression as much as I think I thought you had based on everything I know about you. I, I did. I just think I've moved through it. Good. That's what we're talking about is, you know, the sort of getting over. Yeah. Huge things like that. It's weird because I did the Suicide Hotline show and, and in the moth I, I don't know about the moth version or the, or the version that you saw. I type of like the 12 minute mm-hmm. version, but the long show, I hadn't done it in a while. And mm-hmm. so when I was doing it last time, it was my writer hat was on. So every time I did it, I kind of tweaked it a little bit and I was right. And now it's like locked and I was going to Australia and New Zealand. I just did the show in Australia and New Zealand for, the for last, a month, right? Yeah, for like the last six weeks. And, uh, and it was a blast doing that many. And, um, and it was different because there's one, like one part where I, I'm on the phone with this girl who's uh, a 20-year-old uh, NYU student, and she's um, and I'm 20 at the time, 22 or 24, and I'm uh, she's she's really suicidal, and we're talking about depression, and she said that she didn't feel like she had the right to be suicidal, that dep- or she didn't have the right to say depression, that depression is like overused, and it's like you know uh, rich people problems or something like mm. that. Like it wasn't that, but it was basically saying that she didn't feel like she had the right, and then she goes, she didn't really believe that uh, that in depression. And then sort of taking it back, and I remember her saying like that she knew that people were, like there are some people who are clinically or socially or whatever that are depressed, but she, most, a lot of people also aren't, and they overuse that as a form of laziness or an excuse. And I remember laughing, and I remember having this conversation with her, and at the time saying like, people in Rwanda, because it was like during that Lost Boys, I was like, people in Rwanda don't get depressed. They, they don't have time to be depressed. Right. They got to fucking live and like fight off machetes and like lions jumping out of right. the jungle as they're hiking out of... And then... And then in the show, the line that was different was, there's a line where I say, like, I mean, even now, even, like, I don't get depressed. I mean, sure, sometimes I don't get out of bed four times a day, but I'm not depressed. And in the show, it meant that is clearly depression. Right. Because at the time, I was depressed when I was doing the show. And so I would say, like, and it was just tonal, and it was just, like, acting, which I'm not a good actor, but I'm more of a writer. But, like, on stage the first time, I would be like, "I'm, I'm not depressed. I sometimes don't get out of bed for four days, but... I'm not depressed. And it would get this laugh, but it was this dark laugh. Yes. It was this laughter of like, oh, yeah. And this time I said it, and I think I'm happier now, and I'm doing better. And I'm like, I don't get depressed. I mean, sure, sometimes I don't get out of bed. And now it's not like, oh, I'm lazy, and I was out partying, and I slept in. And so it would get a different laugh, but I could feel it. Do you cut the four four days part? No, I said the four days, but I'd be like, sometimes I'm going to get out of bed for four days, but I'm not depressed. I'm just lazy, and people laugh. Well, in Australia, too, don't you think they, like, party hard and do sleep for four days? Yeah, but I I also think they, I I do think it, it... it's how you deliver. Yeah, I do think like it's because I'm in a, a different place it's fascinating. now. Fascinating. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and so and so, what did you do <clears throat> to move? Did you just move through it? Did you? I don't know. I didn't like go to therapy. I didn't. I think I just. I don't know. I always feel like sometimes for me it's situation. Like one of the things working with the hotline is like you learn you can't make it better, which is what we do when somebody we know says they're suicidal. It's like oh, it'll get better. But like when you work in a suicide hotline, and somebody calls up and they're they have AIDS. And they have no money, and they're homeless. It's not going to get better. They're Did going you to talk die. To people like that? Yeah, and uh, and they're going to die. So it's like you can't say it's going to get better. You just have to sort of help them. Right. And I feel like for me, 
some of the stuff was like situationally depression. Like I had, you know, it's like my life was shitty. And so yeah. I was depressed about it. It's like saying you're depressed about like gaining weight or something. And then somebody's like, well, then just, it's like, I wasn't depressed. I was just fat for a couple of years. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't know. I think like I had a shitty life and I didn't right. really want to do anything, but that's the depression because I could have right. moved out of it. Right, because living in Queens for four years, being in love with a woman who is engaged yeah. to marry someone else, and we're like hitting a hammer that. against your head over and over. Yeah. And over again. yeah, I mean that the normal reaction, I guess, would be depression. But you bring up if you were coming from Rwanda, you would think that was like an amazing life. Yeah, and if you weren't depressed, you would like you would either piss or get off the pot. Like you would have like what ended up happening with that other guy is that guy just made a move and kissed her, and right. she reacted to that. Right, and if I had had. If I was confident or felt secure about myself, I would have done that. Or if I felt secure and like I owned myself and was right. leaning into the problem, I would have, I would have ended the relationship. You know, right. like either way. But I didn't do either one of those things. Right, right. I just sort of sat and took it. So that, I guess I was depressed for that time. But I do think it's weird. I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like people act like it's not situational. That you know, I mean, that that's definitely like a sort of recovery thing. Is like just basically, you know, it's not what happens to you; it's how you respond to it. But there are situations we get into that are legitimately depressing, and being depressed is the is the appropriate reaction. Yeah, I think so. I think like you know, your somebody in your family dies, or like you know what I mean. Like there's there's situationally depression stuff that that right. you lose a job. But I think of like living out here in LA yeah. where it's like is a perfect example of like that Facebook jealousy hating thing where you yeah. see somebody else is successful and it hurts you even though you're friends with that person. That whole thing, which I think is more of a younger person's problem. I think you get older and hopefully you can you can compartmentalize that. But I think when you feel that way, like you can say that that situation where you're like, oh me and this person work for the same job, their life changed. They right. they bought this giant house and I'm still struggling. You know, or but then there are other people who don't make that depression. They use that fuel to then motivate themselves to be more ambitious and do well. Right. And it's like, so I guess there are certain types that are like prone towards. Well, and I think that Facebook jealousy is something for me. It's like I've had to actually work on that. Yeah, man, it's it hard. It didn't just go away because I got older. Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know. But do you ever do this where you, you get contacted by an old friend or an ex or somebody and... Then you, like, visit your Facebook page and try to look at it through their eyes and see, like, oh, wow. A hundred percent. And you, then you realize, my life looks pretty good. And then you realize, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're not depressed, then you should be able to say, well, when I look at other people's pages, they, I'm seeing the good side of them, too. 100%. But you keep, when you're depressed, man, and you see somebody, like, get the job or have the baby if you're not having a baby or get married if you're not getting married or whatever it is, it's hard to think that way. It just makes you sad. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I keep trying to look it up and I can't find it, but Freud, there's a, there's a Freudian term for why we're jealous of people that um, are close to us or have the same things-ish yeah. that we have, whereas where I'm not like, oh, I'm so jealous of Sheryl Sandberg, head of Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, that's not really It's abstract, to me. yeah, yeah. Sure. But um, but I, I do think that it's, it's narcissism that you see someone getting something and you actually assume it has anything to do with you. How are we on time? We're fine. Okay. Um, I think. Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're cutting close. So we do one of two things at this juncture. Sure. Is we stop and we continue, which I would love to do. Um, or we stop and say fuck you to each other. 
well, I, I'm not, I'm not cool with fuck you. I can go put more money in my, this is a car parking thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, our listeners are very used to it. Um, I'll, I'll it. go put n- money in the car okay. thing and then come back and talk into the okay. thing. Okay. Are you sure you're cool with that? Yeah. Are you okay. cool with that? I'm hundred percent cool. With that. You made it back. I'm back. Yeah. I parked right across the street. There's, there's kosher Korean barbecue or something out there. It smells I delicious. i got to tell you, the food trucks, they, they vary. I mean, that there's a wide range of totally delicious to thoroughly disgusting. That's probably true of food trucks everywhere. Yeah, I think that's pretty universal. Um, but yeah, I was just telling you that um, Lorenz Scott, I read this morning, died. Do you know who that, who that I, was? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's horrible. And she's... She what I mean, this is gruesome. Um, she was found hanging in her apartment by her uh, assistant. Jesus. Yeah. I always said if I did it, I would hang myself. Oh, God, that seems like the worst way. Well, I once tried to shoot my... I mean, that, that's in my show where I put a gun in my mouth, a loaded gun, because I was going to... But I don't have access to a gun, so I think hanging... How did you I, How did you have access to My father, who was a retired cop, had a gun. Right, so. right. Um, that's terrible that she killed herself. It's When I was in Australia doing the show, somebody who was on like their... Australia's top model, next model, whatever that show is, yeah. um, killed herself the night of my like first weekend show. How great you were top call! I'm kidding. I, that was the darkest, not funny thing. That might have to. I might have to learn how to sound edit to uh, cut that out. No, it was good for me. It was on. It was in the zeitgeist. Um, no, but but um, you know, it, it it is interesting. I mean, this was a this was a woman who was at the height of her career, the most glamorous woman you could imagine, dating Mick Jagger. Um, you know, if there's any proof that sort of external circumstances don't, does, don't cure depression. Yeah. That's why I think there's different kinds of depression. Cause for me, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I still like it. Cause I say I'm happy now, but there's, there, there've been some rough spots over the last couple of years. You know, it's just hard. I know. I mean, life so is hard. You, you know? I know. I know. But don't you think that it's not, okay. Yes. Life is hard for everyone, but I think that there are people that it's not that hard for emotionally. I mean, things that happen to us, we all must suffer death sure. and taxes and, you know, whatever. I think some people are sociopaths and they don't experience human emotions and they're not necessarily killers yeah. with bloodlust uh, right. that go out like that are Dexters, but they are people who are have crocodile tears and don't feel emotion. Like, I think they're true sociopaths. And then I think there's a scale and some people are yeah. closer to that because, you know, there's a lot of people who don't seem to feel things the same way, and I, I only think that they're wrong and they're crazy. <laughs> See, I feel that, sure, there are sociopaths, but, but there are also people who are just not thinking that deeply, and the greatest blessing a person can have is, is to ignorance. not think sure. that deeply. Yeah, they're stupid people. I guess, I guess, yeah, they're sociopaths, and then there's ignorance is bliss people. Yeah. But then, like, there's people like my wife who, when she, my friend John misquoted Sartre all the time and says this expression, it's better to never have been born. And it's his mantra and then it's become my mantra. And I love it. I love the idea it's better to never be... Because it's not saying I want to kill myself, it's just saying it would have been better if I was never born. <laughs> and uh, my wife hates that because yeah. she's a super happy person. Yeah. And she's like the opposite. But when we, you know, when now that I've lived with her, she's not so happy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And right. I think there's that type too that is like, publicly happy which I think is the right I think that's the right way to live because it's yeah. not, she's not a downer she's not like my last solo show was called The Finkelstein Show and the whole point I of it, it was uh, oh thank you uh, yeah was I that loved it when people we talked about it sorry yeah we did talk about it um, okay. when people see me they ex- because I've become the suicide guy so right. when people see me I'm like how are you I'm like hey things are great and they're like nope 
That's I could see them not liking me. They want the Finkelstein show. I'm like, hey, how are you? Oh, I feel like killing myself. And then it's like, ah. Right. Oh, so I've become this version of right. that guy for them. And then it's sort of true now where I think life is a pigsty. And that's another one of my... It's a freaking Morrissey song. See, I haven't let go of the goth phase because I... Life is a pigsty is another great expression. But I don't... This is my thing is I, do, I don't... Now I don't see you like that. It's because today I feel good. Oh. Although, I have to say, there's some things in my life right now that aren't that good. Like, not good at all. But well, maybe I'm putting on a little show today. No, I don't think so. I, I prefer my theory that you actually, you know, became well-known for telling the story that you've ha- you're very open and that you're not the depressed guy. I don't know. I still would rather stay home than go out. I still don't want to go to... I don't like being around people. I don't like going on Facebook. Just, I, I still... Now I'm fighting. I don't want to... I don't want to be happy. <laughs> I know. I yes, be, I am the depressed guy. Um, because... And I also, also have spent the last six weeks... Like, it's only a week ago that I came home in New Zealand and Australia. Getting it's adored hard, by crowds. Getting adored and going to beaches and seeing Hobbitville and all this shit. Like, yeah. it's hard to not be... It's hard to be miserable right now. Give me... A month back in LA and I'll hate the world again. But LA is a very happy place to live. I did. No, it's not. It's, it's the not, worst fucking place. Well, to live. For, is I that t- right to curse? I don't know where this I, goes. Please, please curse. Keep doing it. Um, I did. I, there was a study that I read at some point about how they they track the happiest cities based on the number of antidepressants prescribed and uh. the number I think of suicides. And you know, it was it was you know some small town in Texas that was really happy, and, and LA was very very low on the happiness list. Yeah, I feel like LA, this is the thing, like being a New Yorker and living out here, I feel like it's cliche and it's, it's hacky to talk about how LA sucks. And I don't want to be the guy that's always bitching, but I think it's a miserable place. I think the people, I think it's terrible. I don't. I, tr- I, w- I would debate you. Oh, it's so horrible. I don't think so. I mean, I've lived in New York twice and I've lived in San Francisco and those cities to me are miserable. And oh, this New is York not- is amazing. It's like, what, what is so good here? What do people like? The weather. The weather. The it's people. hot. It's disgusting. It's like, the, I love it's the heat. glaring in your eyes. Spain in the in August one. The people, the people are miserable. They're not. They're like selfish and I know it's an, another cliche and I don't want to be that dude that wears a Yankee hat and so I like, and walks around so I wear a Dodgers right. hat. But right, like, right, right. Okay. But, but the people inside. here are like so I don't know, like being away, or you ever go away and then you get a, you're in an airport, like doing, like a like a, you're in San Francisco airport. And you see what real people look and like. you just see like L.A. people start to sit down. And you've been yeah. away for a week and yeah. you've dealt with people who talk about everything, jobs, careers, all that stuff, but not just that. And then you get on a plane and like some 80 year old woman walks up in like glitter and like Nike sneakers and thinks she's 20 still, and you're like, oh shit, I'm going back to that horrible, horrible place. Maybe I'm one of those horrible people and that's why I like it. You're not one of those horrible people. I really like it here and I love hiking. I love... Hiking? That's another thing. What is that? I do it every day but it's not hiking. Everyone moves out here and they buy like hiking. It's like, no, it's walking in the dirt of scorched brown, ugly earth that has no green... We live in a desert where everything is manufactured. It's just like succulents and burnt out trees and horrible crows and a lot of people who are talking on cell phones and, and, and so why do you live here? There's an episode of MASH, now this whole day, where Hawkeye dies. Uh-huh. Or he has a dream that he's dying and he's walking on this path. Yeah. And there's all these uh, like North Korean people walking and they're old and they're like leaving the country. And he's like, he's trying to talk to him, but they can't see him because he's dead. And when I go hiking, it's ex- it's literally looks, I mean, they probably filmed it there, but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like I'm Hawkeye and MASH and I'm dead. Okay, interesting. Now I'm going to... So why do you live here? Because and I work here. Because I work here. You could work in New York? 
I don't know if I can. There's not as many jobs. There's not as many. And now I'm married to somebody who wants to live in L.A. Right. So I'm stuck here for that reason. But and so and so you you worked on Ellen and you won at multiple Emmys. I didn't win. I, I was there the only year that she didn't win. I was there during the writing strike, so the next year she didn't win. The, you, the writing I system. You, I was nominated for a bunch. You were nominated. And um, what other shows have you worked on? TV shows. That's it. Uh huh. And would you like to do that again? I don't know. I mean, I would work. On, I would love to work on a sitcom just to experience that because yeah. that's like the end goal when you're younger and you don't know. Like what that is, but yeah, I would love to do that. And do you write little, like, do you write spec scripts? And, and I do. I, I try not to call them little because that's uh, degrading. <laughs> I and the word. Demi- as soon as <laughs> I know. I heard you pull it back. Yeah, I do, and I like. I've, you know, I'm sure I will eventually. Like when. A- I'm so sorry. The recording cut out here. This is super unprofessional. But Brian um, was telling me about these agents and managers that he signed with and he is telling a story you are about to hear about uh one telling another that they were going to hawaii and they got a separate house for their nannies and that's where we are in the story it was so exciting so so they got a separate house for the nannies you know a separate house for the nannies and then all my agents and and people were starting to like like copy down the information right. about where to go because she had stayed at this great house and so I was like yeah that sounds great and then um, they're like oh we'll give you the number of the realtor so you can rent a house there I was like no I'm saying for to be a nanny sounds great you can get <laughs> you stay in you go to Hawaii and I could just see everyone in the room look at me like a little bit less like I right. had lowered my status and I was like man I just don't like this place right right that's that's funny that's hilarious um, but you're still with these these terrible people nope Okay, you said you said fuck you. Yeah, I, I, want, I didn't say I fuck want you. People but who are not going to Hawaii. It just it just shifted over here. Yeah. You know, people like that manager was that manager was one of the best people I've ever met in this business. And and if I was still with her, I'd be happy. Right. Um, but she she quit. She she retired, or she had some hardships in her life, and uh, and then she had twins, and just to, right. and they had enough money, so she right. left the business, and then that kind of sent me into this like tailspin of. What to do next? Yeah, but you clearly got somebody else, and I did. Yeah, I stayed there for a while, and then I realized that even though those people were fine, that it wasn't for me, and I left and went to a different place. And so, what is next for you? Uh, what is next for me? Um, that, that's a terrible. Is that like what do you do for fun in terms of terrible questions? No, but I'm like I want to do the show, like uh, the Suicide Hotline show, in a bigger venue and oh, yeah. get it produced, and then I uh, I'm working on a book. Um, which I don't know how you guys, I don't Ugh, know how people do that. It's horrible. a book proposal is like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It's worse. It makes a spec script seem silly. I know. Because you have to write so much. Why are you doing this to yourself? Because I have all these stories and people have been saying to yeah, me. So I'm trying to get a few idea. articles, like essays published first so that I can use that as leverage to. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm working on that. And then I have a screenplay that, uh, a horribly depressing screenplay about uh, my sister things. dying and while well, I'm trying to kill myself. But it's not true. It's kind of true. My sister went into a coma and almost died. Um, she was, and they were going to pull life support. And there was a big fight in my family where they should. And then she had miraculously woke up. And she's okay. And she's okay. But in the movie, that's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm working on that. That's been optioned and reoptioned, and now is with actors that hopefully can get it made. Yeah. So that's all. And but but that reminded me about your sister. So do you think it's this depression is a chemical thing? You said your mom tried to kill herself. Um, 
I don't know. Like that's that's sort of like the newest version of the movie is like to what makes somebody because my sister's not. Yeah. My, not my sister we're talking about now. That's my half sister. But my older sister, who's I was raised with, and we had the same. We have the same biology and the same behavior, like whether yeah. whatever whether you think it's behavior or, you know, nature nurture thing. Yeah. She, but she's like a corporate person who has a huge McMansion and, you know, a, a husband. Uh, I almost called him a wife, because she is like <laughs> the, the husband. Drives a Lexus and loves Garth Brooks and watches shitty TV and you know right. is a little bit. Uh, bitch she's a little bit of a bitch yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah and she's seemingly happy although she's probably not either i don't know i don't think anyone's happy i think everyone's miserable except for stupid people or sociopaths see that's interesting i don't know i really don't know i do know that that you know i've had i think bouts of depression is is not stating it enough but that and then when i went to rehab i remember my counselor sort of being like yeah, you know, um, like you've been depressed or something like that. And the way he said it, I was like, what he's talking about when he says the word depressed is not what yeah, I mean. sure. You know, I'm talking about soul crushing. I feel like I can't survive this. But then I wonder, is it just that I'm so sensitive? Like I think many people can sort of operate at a level of depression that I cannot tolerate. I have no tolerance for it at I, all. I, not too long ago, maybe five years ago, um, sat in my apartment when I was single in L.A., um, and there was a week where I didn't shower. I didn't change my clothes. I smoked. I would just walk to the store and get cigarettes and wine and like pizza mm-hmm. and, and Wendy's. And I was mm-hmm. so, that was the most, and, and even though when I was younger and I put a gun in my mouth and I used to sleep with a knife under my bed for a while in case I had the nerve to do it. Oh but, my God. but this was the most depressed I was like, that was like, I sat in, I mean, I just sat in this chair and just chain smoked inside my apartment and ate and drank. And I wasn't drinking a lot, but I would drink like a bottle of wine a day. But it's not uh-huh. like I would drink a bottle of scotch a day, you know? Right. And, uh, but I was so, so, so depressed. I was so, I just didn't know what to do or how to get up or what, who to call. I didn't want to, I didn't stop calling people. Right. And, you know. Do you cry when you're in a state like that? I used to when I was younger all the time. I cried, like younger meaning my 20s, but now I don't really cry. I just felt numb and like yeah, depressed it's much worse and then I don't know what snapped me out of it but like I have a friend who recently went through a really hard time and, uh, was you know went through a hard time I'll just leave it there but then he's he's now on meds and they seem to help him I've never done that have you ever considered I mean the, when, the years when you're sleeping with a knife under your bed you're not thinking maybe I should go get medicated I think this was pre like the, the rush of those I mean I've done them now recreational every once in a while somebody will have them and I'll be like yeah no but SSRIs but are different than Xanax and fun drugs yeah I've no, I've never. Uh, because you think that that would sort of. I think it. Yeah, I'm like, and this is so against psychology, but I think it changes your personality. And I, I like as much as I hate life, I like myself. Uh huh. It's a weird. That is fucking thing. It's interesting. I mean, I hate my. I do hate myself. I think I'm late. I think I'm a terrible person, but I don't. I think what I the few good things I like about myself, those are the things that would change. I don't know. I just never wanted to do it. I always thought I was stronger than that, too. It's bullshit, right? It's like, that's what gets people in trouble. I came in here happy. I'm going to leave depressed. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody listening to this in a car right now, please drive off the road. Well, I don't really relate. I want to understand the the, the person that said, then there are lots of people who say this, you know, I'm super depressed and I don't want to try a medication that's going to make it better. Well, because you like Los Angeles, so you're yeah. just on a different side of the coin. Um, I also 
also <laughs> loved I loved drugs. That's why I'm sober. And so I love. I think that I am attracted to the idea of like, let me take something that will make me feel different. Yeah, I don't know. Watching this this friend now, who's my age, watching the shift of him being able to sort of get some stuff together. And he was also a happy person who went into the darkness in a way that I've never seen somebody shift. Right, right. And it was the worst I've ever seen anybody. And I've seen a lot. Because yeah. part of doing a suicide hotline show 15 years ago was everybody in the world who's ever been depressed calls me to be like, and it's like something Do I people call you and yeah, they say, I want to do it? I want to... Yeah, which I'm not in a position to do that. I worked at a hotline years ago and it's, right. it's different when you're anonymous versus... Do you tell them call a suicide hotline? Yeah, or, or call a psychiatrist or fuck off or whatever. Right. Um, but this guy, to watch the medication, I'm like, now I'm like, oh man, that may, you know, for some people I think it is. But I, maybe I also feel like I don't deserve them. Like, I'm not that depressed. It's kind of that. Like the woman that you counseled. Yeah. Who? Who did end up, not to ruin the story, but kill yeah. yourself. Yeah, she did. So, yeah, maybe that's... Um... Uh, I I refuse to allow you to leave depressed. So I will. I'm not depressed. Say, okay, okay. But I. But so so. If you hate yourself, what hope is there for the rest of us? I mean, do you like? Do you? you I, this is a super weird question to ask anybody, and there's no way to answer it. But like, do you sit there and like? Do you get like? You're like, oh, I'm really fucking talented, or do you not even think about it that way? I don't know. Sometimes things go well, and I feel really good, or I or I write something, or I do a show, or I feel really good. But that like lasts as long as the car ride home, you know, or the, right, right. the, the meal after the good script. I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I do. I, I think it's also bigger. I think like if you look around the world, like, I don't know, like if you watch the news or if you see the way people talk to each other, it's not just selfish depression for me. It's, it's like I look right. around and I'm like, I don't think it's a good place this way. I don't think right. life is good. I think it's much harder than it is good. And I think there's more negative than there is good. But I do have moments where I feel like a sense of happiness or I don't know I have to say one of the weirdest things in the world is the fact that you say I seem happy because it's usually the opposite right where like I go into meetings I pitch a suicide show and when when and then people in the elevator afterwards like but you're okay right or when I used to teach improv and like the students would call the theater and be like hey Brian's a great teacher but um is that dude okay I'm a little worried like (laughs) now I think getting married I think I like yeah I think I met a girl like a girl who balances you yeah, and I actually feel like, oh, I never even wanted to get married. Like, everything about my life right now is like, oh, yeah, that, that, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like, I'm pretty lucky. And that's, yeah. that's weird yeah. to feel that way. So I guess it gets better, everybody. <laughs> but, 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 you like, know, when we get divorced in three years and I want to fucking hang myself off a bridge. You'll come back to this podcast. You'll be perfect for that. Yes. I'll, yeah, I'll make sure to come back. Um, I used to say I want to hang myself off a bridge because it would make sure I got the job done. So, like, even if the rope broke... Yeah, yeah, a backup plan, a plan B. I have an uncle who hung himself. Jesus, Brian! My dad's, and not my uncle, my dad's uncle. My dad Still. had this guy who, he was older, and uh, he was get, he his kids had moved out, and his wife wanted to move out of his house, and, and he's like, no, he was like in his like 50s. Yeah. But um, not even, he might have been like late 40s, and he's like, I, they wanted him, I think his name was Nate, and they wanted Nate to move out of his house. Um, his wife's like, we got to get something smaller. It's too big. You can't do the yard work, whatever. It was like in the Bronx. Um, and he's like, no. And then finally he agreed and they sold his house. And um, the day that he, uh, they, the house closed and he was moving out, they had all their stuff packed up. They were in the kitchen. They were eating. The whole family was there. They were saying goodbye. And he's like, oh, let me go check on uh, something downstairs. And he went downstairs and hung himself. Oh, my He's God. like, I am not, like, I think he left a note saying, I will never leave this place. But he didn't say anything. Nope. 
that's the most that's the best suicide ever I'm, you're not gonna get me to leave this place literally I will die here oh my god um so yeah I will return to this brain chemistry theory I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave you with that you know the genetics you know play a part and um and you're the happy miracle that stopped the pattern yeah. I mean I don't want to go over the top but you you are the guy who wrote <laughs> that thing that's super funny about um the anti-suicide now <laughs> yeah that did you write that a long time ago it was during that phase that I was saying I was depressed. Uh, that I was just week? Talking about, I literally, like, that week, the bit was... I mean, it's the truth, but it's that I woke up and I took a bike at it in the morning and I lit a cigarette and I made myself some eggs. Um, and then the joke there with, with brisciutte and, you know, Gruyere cheese because yeah. I was broke, but I'm not uncivilized. And then I sat down and watched TV and Shawshank Redemption was on because... It's always on. It's always on. And then I fell asleep and I woke up and I was in this small apartment... Or not a small apartment, but a small back room where, where the kitchen and living room were connected. And uh, and I woke up and I smelled the gas and I realized I'd left the gas on for like four hours. And I was just about to light a cigarette. And if I had lit the cigarette, like either if I had died of the gas or if I had lit it and blew up the apartment, that there's not a person who knows me in life that wouldn't hear that story and just be like, oh yeah, he killed himself. Yeah. Even my mom, who's like, who I have a great relationship and usually mothers are against that. Even my mom would be like, well... I kind of saw that coming. Right, so right. I said, those would even be the quotes they'd give the paper. Yeah, like, yeah, well, you know, what'd you expect? But then, uh, but then, so yeah, and then the joke is that I wrote a suicide note saying, a non-suicide note that I carry with me all the time that just says, if I die, please investigate. Love, Brian. <laughs> but did you really hear that with you? No, but I did, I did write that. I was writing a blog that week, which I had never done before. I think on Funny or Die, mm-hmm. they used to have guest bloggers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they asked me to be a guest blogger. And so that week, that happened. So I wrote it. I wrote it more for that. Like, I, I wrote it really, but and then I put it up there. So. Right, right. Well, um, that's all. That's all I got. That's all I got. And plus, I got to go before my car gets towed. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but people, if they want to find you, can, of course, follow you on, on the Twitter. On the Twitter. I have a website at brianfinkelstein.com. You Come do. to The Moth. I host The Moth. Say hello. Yes. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am... I'm really astounded by your talent. Frankly, that was the most frank I've been. That's the nicest thing. Um, it's yeah. true. I, I don't get astounded. I don't even get impressed. You had Eddie, like, I saw you had Eddie Pepitone in here recently. You can't tell me that, that that guy's the most impressive dude ever. I love him. I think he's the funniest person I've ever met in my life. He, he I, I loved him so, so, so much. I, okay, he was someone that I'm like, you're not bitter at all. You're actually, he's no, the he's most like childlike yeah, he's like a exuberance child. over everything. I have to say, and, I, and as a little side note, when I was depressed during that phase, I went through a really hard I was going to leave LA and pack it up and sell stuff and move. Yeah. Uh, and the day I did that, I came home and there was a thing online. I think he'd done What the Fuck, uh, the Mark Maron's thing. Yeah. But I think it might have been a live show, but it was like Eddie just ranting uh, about, there was a show, Horror. I think it was called Horror and it was on TV. And he's uh-huh. like, honey, come on in. We have to watch the horror. And he was screaming it in that Pepitone voice. And I emailed him and I was like, dude... I know it's going to sound weird, and what's up, how are you, And but I think you might have just saved my life Did today. you know him? Yeah, I know him just from around, so, yeah. and, and, you know, he responded, thanks so much, but it was like, I imagine from his position, it looked like a crazy, like, right. it, like, it really just snapped me out of a very dark phase that I was like, oh, there's funniness. Yeah, maybe. Pepitone's the best. And maybe there's something that I, I find you not at all depressed, and I find him not at all bitter, that it says about me, but, um. Yeah, maybe you, you lighten, you cheer us up. No, no, it's just that my perspective, to me, like, compared to. Like oh, because you're me. so happy, yeah. And like, no, the opposite. Like, compared to me and everyone else I know, I'm like, these guys aren't depressed or oh, bitter. Oh, wow, yeah. They're like, they're like doing well. 
Um, but anyway, I don't want to end on that depressing note. It's 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 none of it's depressing. You know, we don't live in Rwanda, and and I think that that's a <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> At the very best, we don't live in Rwanda. <laughs> Follow Brian at B. Is it just B. Finkelstein? Is that? Do you do something weird? B. S. Finkelstein is my initials. Yeah. Brian was taken. Yeah. There's you another. You wanted B. S. Yeah. Well, that's my middle initial. Yeah. And there's another Brian Finkelstein who's a comedian. Who's of. far lesser. So do not make the mistake of following. No, he's him. a good guy. I've met him. Yeah, I can say he's lesser. Brian can't say that. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's so pretty freaking good, right? Don't you feel? Like you understand depression um, and don't feel depressed. That's how I want you to feel. And um, if you don't feel that way, then you didn't listen right. I'm kidding. You listen however you want to. Go find and follow Brian Finkelstein everywhere you can if you know what's good for you.